everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony Andrecki here, joined by Elise Meneker. Elise, thanks for joining us. Good to see week. you. Thanks for you having too, me. Of course. Good we're to gonna, be here. We're going to talk a lot of prospect stuff later on, but we're also going to talk about the big league club. And Elise had a great interview with the guest DJ from the first game of this homestand as well. So we'll have that later in the pod. But Elise, let's start off with the new segment that we're doing. We're calling let's it the triple it. play. Okay. Play on words. You get it. Three things. Triple play. It, <laughs> we're making a yeah, triple play. I, it's very highbrow <laughs> stuff. Um, so... We're just, we talk about things that are going on around the game, whether that relates to the Cubs or not. I think this first one, it was something that was bouncing around my head, especially yeah. seeing how things played out on Tuesday. But what is going on with the Cardinals? They have one of the worst records in baseball, the third worst record in, in Major League Baseball as we're recording this here. They are in last place in the Central. I mean, things have just been a disaster. Wilson Contreras is hitting below 200, saying this is the first time that he's struggled this bad, yeah. has lost his confidence. It just seems like a total mess in St. Louis right now. I think the Cardinals are wondering what's going on with yeah. the Cardinals because they're pretty much the same team as last year going into this season. I know when I looked at their team, I would have had like really high expectations if I were a fan or just someone involved with that organization. And it feels that right now the the leadership, the way things are being handled, some things have just been off and weird. And I'm not saying you blame everything on that, but it seems that now it's just kind of like has at times set a tone or just kind of felt off. Yeah. I'm talking about the Jordan Walker situation where I think he, he played really well in spring, uh, just was in double A last year, so then goes from double A to the big league club, and he did really well to start the season, then struggled. They sent him back down, and I will say since going, uh, since coming back up, he's playing better, so sure, maybe yeah. he worked on stuff down there, um, but there was just the handling of all that. Wilson Contreras, you mentioned the recent comments, but you also go back to when it was announced that he would just become DH and yeah. he wasn't going to catch. And then that lasted about like a week yeah. and he went back to catcher. Yeah. And so I think just like how things are going, it's it's kind of been ups and downs, not just for them like as a team and the results, but in the way things are working out like within the organization. I, I It is just weird. I don't know. I kind of look at just like leadership and, you know, what do they need? And it feels like that's kind of where things have gotten lost. I mean, I agree 100%. Really, I think it's probably the Yadier Molina factor, right? Like, this is the first time in two decades yeah, that he's not there. Point. So you you have the same roster, as you mentioned. You have essentially the same coaching staff and stuff, but you lose Yadi, who was on the roster and essentially on the coaching staff, too. So I wonder how much that is playing in. And that's an outsider speaking. I don't know and for sure. In a premier sure, position, yeah. right? Like, that's just not, you know, he, he's in charge of – he's managing that game. Mm -hmm. And so to your point and, – and like you were saying, too, probably kind of coaching along yeah. the way with where he was at in his career. And setting the tone. I mean, any yeah. any person, even Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, you go to the Cardinals, you know that Yadi – it's Yadi's club house you do things the cardinal way but it's essentially whatever yachty thought the cardinal way was and it didn't seem like any teammate had a bad thing to say about him right so like they were all falling in line behind him he's gone it seems like things have fallen apart it is only mid-june right like things can definitely turn around we've seen we were talking even before this pod the nationals uh in 2019 the braves in 2021 last year the phillies like it would not be out of the question to see the Cardinals get on some sort of run. You're kind of waiting for it. Yeah, almost. definitely. Like I could even see them approaching 500 by the All-Star break yeah. as far as they are down right now. Yeah. 
I haven't seen their schedule, but it just feels like um, even today when it, when we recorded this, their game, they, they it felt like they were turning a corner. I think it was like Edmund hit a grand slam and yeah. like got them the lead. And so you, you could even feel like in the game that they were starting to – the, the energy, the momentum was shifting. I don't know the results of the game as we record this, but because yeah. <laughs> maybe if I say that, then they lose it. You can That's control true. Then, that. I mean, then it'd be one of the worst no losses. Momentum. Yeah. Do we have? Uh, they're tied at a ton. Okay. <laughs> they're tied See? at a so ton. So there you go. Cardinals so, are t- So yeah. then this could be was one. Evan of- who hit the grand slam, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This so. could be one of the worst Cardinal losses. Yeah. Then. Like you said, as we're recording Wednesday afternoon <laughs> right. here. So. Disregard. Uh, all right. So, I mean, we, we, this question is as pertinent as ever then if they're somehow. Right. Tied in the 10th. Um, but, yeah, the Cubs are obviously going to be playing the Cardinals next week in London. So that'll be whether the Car- Cardinals cool. are going on a run or not. Either way, like the they have a for both teams in a big environment, a really cool, fun, historic environment. So at the at the very, like, fundamental level, those games are, are fun because yeah. of where they're being played at the very basic level, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead to the third one. We'll go back to number okay. two. But because you brought that up, sure. I always – I feel like we're kind of getting robbed of Cubs Cardinals in America, though, because I love the London thing. That's going to be so <laughs> well, it's cool. It's like every year. Tony no, I know it's not. <laughs> but because the Car- the Cubs are only going to St. Louis one time this year, and it's happening in July. Obviously, they're playing the one series, which was a Cardinals home series in London. But Cubs are only going to St. Louis for one time. Like, that's super, super weird. I guess in 2020, I think they only did it once, right, because the Cardinals came here and played all those COVID games. But other than that, it just doesn't happen. We're used to the Cubs being in St. Louis three times. Almost often, almost every series being a weekend series in the middle of summer. It's like high octane. It's awesome viewership. Every time the Cardinals are here, whenever somebody talks about Wrigley, they're like, a, you know, a Saturday afternoon game, Cubs, Cardinals here. Like that's what people talk about is energy. But we're not getting that as much because this new schedule has two fewer series against divisional teams. So like, and this is the first time the Cubs are playing the Pirates in mid-June. I don't like the new MLB schedule quite as much as I thought I would. It's cool seeing the Cubs play like Shohei Otani. I don't like the lack of division games, if I'm being honest. So I hear you and I get your point. I think I I just like the new schedule because you have all these stories storylines happening across the league. And it felt like in the past you were always just kind of on the outside looking in at a lot of them because you wouldn't see those teams. Yeah. So they kind of felt irrelevant at times if you were only focused on your team. And now, at least, it feels like I, I do think about how you get to see like a Mike Trout, a Shohei Otani. Uh, if there are things happening like with the A's and everything going yeah. on there, you might be, you know, playing them at a really cool time like the Rays were with everything going on in their stadium. Yeah. And the Cubs uh, are part of the reason why the A's have one of the worst record in baseball, sweeping them in Oakland. So you're <laughs> a right. A lot of teams are kind yes. of a part of that. That's true, yes. yeah. And so that I like the idea. I'm not as much of a baseball purist. So when there is change and when it comes to this, I embrace it because I like to see more teams. Um, and just I think that's kind of just what it comes down to, the excitement level. Yeah. While it's not the same excitement of the rivalry factor that you're describing because there is something different about that, I think it's just cool knowing that you will see every team in baseball. And that's why I like it. Different feel, like you said, and, and – I can see your point where it's like not the same. Like, oh, it's the Cardinals this yeah. weekend. Um, but I still like the idea that you could face some, you know, I say really good teams, and it was assumed the Cardinals would be the, the Pirates. You know, right. they're a good team and stuff. But you could face those, you know, World Series contending teams that you think about going into the season, like the Astros, uh, Phillies. You probably would have thought that. But you get what I'm saying where, you yeah. know, you're going to get your, your chance at them. 
and you know you're gonna face a guy like Julio Rodriguez every year, right? Like he was here in April with the Mariners, or you're gonna face the Rangers, who the Cubs that's normally a, yeah. only play every three. That's years. what I thought was cool too. Like you can see some of these yeah. young players, some of the veteran players. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I agree, and and I definitely. Um, I will say that I may change my mind on this, but just right <laughs> you now. You can always change your yes, mind. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So even though it's recorded here and it's like the internet is forever, I, I just right, tag Tony and call him out. Absolutely, when you realize yes, please. That he changed his mind. Yes, um, but yes, I just I liked the division games. I liked how much they were playing each other because it made for so much more like fire, so much more intensity. But that being said, like David Ross and the players, I don't think they like the division games as much. I know Ross has said- They know each other really well. Exactly, like he said that it was almost to the point where like it's nice to get some newer faces in here, some newer managers for him to go against, some newer teams, because it got to the point where like there were no secrets between them. You're playing each other 18, 19 times a year. It was probably too much, but it's an adjustment that's taking me longer than I thought to get to. I'll say this, it's an interesting time when you're just talking about the NL Central and what it could look like if you wanted more division games because it seems like there's starting to be a shift in this division yeah. and, and how good the teams are and where the Reds are going, where the Pirates are and where they're going, what the Brewers are like right now. We were just talking about the Cardinals. And so it could be interesting if it was the old format and facing these teams a lot, what it would look like because now it doesn't feel like you're going to, you know, sometimes facing the Reds, it didn't have that same excitement. I want to see Ellie De La Cruz. I know. Right? Me too. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's fun, right? Yeah. And 18 so, times right. a year or so. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, keep Ryan Hayes on the Pirates. He's a great player to watch. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, when he's not hurt, you know what he can do. And so um, it is interesting just if you kind of keep it within this division, what that could have looked like. But you're still going to get them, um, just not as much. No, for sure. And um, like I said, ask me again maybe at the end of the year or next yeah. year, and I'll probably have a different It is true because it's opinion. still the beginning, and I think with the London series in there, it feels like less this yeah. year with you know the, the home and away. Yeah, definitely. It is just so weird that the Cubs are in St. Louis once this year. But like you said, the London series, once-in-a-lifetime thing, going to be really cool. Um, all right, third thing that's been okay. bouncing around my mind. I know we were texting about this before, too. Yeah, this was interesting too. you brought this up. So – Tuesday night's game, it really just, I was very confused. And I keep book, you know, throughout. It just helps me, like, kind of keep engaged, you know, go back quickly and see what everybody's doing. So Nick Madrigal comes up. Miles Mastroboni's on first. Madrigal hits what would easily have been a single through the first base side or the right field side. Hits Mad, sorry, hits Mastroboni. Mastroboni's out. Inning's over. It's not an RBI. However, it's still a single for Nick Madrigal. I don't get that. I don't get why Madrigal didn't even touch first. I was watching. He never even touched first. He, how is he safe on that? But the ball never made it in the outfield. The first baseman is credited with a put out for it. And yet I, I just don't get the scoring aspect. I don't know how that came, came to be because like, I, and I compared it to this with you. So like if Magical came up and ripped a liner to right field, right? And, it, and it's a, a line drive and I forget who was playing right field. Was it, uh, say center field, Jack Sawinski was playing okay. center field last night, right? Yeah, Sawinski gets, picks up the line drive, throws a second before Mastroboni can get there. It's a force out. It, it should have been an easy hit. If nobody's on base, it's an easy hit for Madrigal, but it's still an 0 for 1 because Mastroboni's forced out at second base. So why is this any different? Like, why is Madrigal getting credit for a hit that he never got? I, I don't understand that rule ever. I was thinking about, so when you brought it up, it was funny because when I was looking in the scorebook, I remember thinking deliberately, like, Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a single yeah. for Madrigal. Like, after it hits Mastroboni and, like, the inning's over and it doesn't – it with the scoring, you are always looking at, like, how something is scored, right? Like, yeah. is this a hit or an error and or fielder's choice, like you're describing. The only thing that I can really say about it when I think through it is in that 
scenario, it's a dead ball after the fact. And I think if you don't have it almost like ruled the way it is, because it's not a fielder's choice. There right, was no not. play. So you can't really say like, well, let's make it a fielder's choice. And I bring up the dead ball aspect because if for some reason that wasn't the case, I think you would have every runner deliberately trying to get hit by the ball to have it ricochet because you see it uh, comparable like when a hard hit ball is hit to the pitcher. Sometimes, and it like ricochets off of him yeah. or something. Sometimes they can make the play and get the out. Sometimes they can't. And so it, if it was like a slow roller, say, because usually when a base runner gets hit by these balls, it's because they're hard. Like Master right. tried to jump over this and he couldn't dodge it. Um, but if it wasn't like the dead ball situation after the fact, then you just feel like, because it could still be in play then, right? That yeah. then if it's like a little roller, I get, runners are I get just the gonna like out aspect, but the hit aspect I don't get. And I don't like you said, I don't know what to call it because fielder's choice. And that's why right. I don't know because if I yeah. wouldn't call it a fielder's choice, then I feel like the only option. I just bring up that little new nuance of the rule, yeah, because it's something I thought about in the whole grand scheme of things of how it plays out. No, for sure, and it's really it doesn't really mean anything. Like the end no, we're probably was, debating a rule that's been around yes. for a long time. And I could probably do <laughs> like, more research on it too, but it was like as many a base, many years ago. <laughs> I had no clue. I still don't get it. Every time it's happened, which is pretty rare, I'm always wondering like why the guy gets a hit on it. So that's just something that's been bouncing around my head. But it's part of our triple play, exactly. You know? it's part of our triple play segment. So <laughs> let's talk about some other things though, that do matter. Probably a little bit more than that. <laughs> right, fair. Because uh, we can't change that one. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think. On the Cubs West Coast trip, to me, the thing that stood out, the thing that mattered the most was Kyle Hendricks, his gem. Like, that was vintage Kyle Hendricks. We haven't seen that really since 2021 before the Cubs traded everybody away. He was on a great run. But, like, that looked like that Hendri- that version of Hendricks, the version of Hendricks we saw in 2020 and before. I thought that was absolutely huge. Obviously, we'll see how the next couple of weeks play out. But, like, for him to even show that little bit of what he could be, he could still do this at age 32, 33. You know, he has another year left on his contract next year. Like, if he can do that, that's huge this year. It's huge for this franchise moving forward. And, like, I it, I thought it was just really cool to see Hendricks back to be the guy that we know he could be. Yeah, and I think so soon. Yeah, um, I thought in his fourth start to basically almost have a no-hitter was incredible. It's incredible at any time in your career to come closer to get it. But for him to be coming back what he's coming back from where he basically didn't pitch for, we didn't see him for like a year, and then so quickly to be in a situation where that's what we're talking about, I think that's what impressed me. And it was also interesting to see him calling his own pitches. And I think that was a big difference for him. And he had even mentioned like the rhythm, because obviously with the pitch clock now, it's about finding that rhythm and how can you speed up without throwing yourself off. And so I do think that was a pretty significant shift for him to be able to do that. And I think even Ross kind of used that word confidence, was it, did he say? Mm. That it just kind of probably gave him a little a little more confidence. Not that Hendricks needs it, but just when you're coming back and you're just looking to find it and get back to, like, you're saying who you are. Yeah. I think that'll be a big thing now for him moving forward. But, you know, you're always rooting for Kyle Hendricks because um, he's just the guy you root for. He... He goes out there, gives it his all, and you may not see it as Ross always describes, like, or you can see his fans, like, in his facial expression, but he's a competitor. He's so kind, and the way he plays the game, it's so, like, you don't see it anymore. You see a you see the velo, 100 miles per hour, and Hendricks has totally embraced who he is his entire career. It's worked for him. I think that's why you're always impressed and amazed with him, because he sticks to it, and it works. 
Yeah, and it's kind of funny, too, that, like, he ha- doesn't have a no-hitter, right? Because we've seen in his career, just because we've seen him have he get, these Yeah, jobs. he doesn't get strikeouts and, you right. know, blow up by guys. Yeah, but, like, you know, there was a there was some good defense behind him that Mike yeah. Talkman catch was a huge one. But other than that, there wasn't, like, a ton of hard-hit right. balls. It wasn't a bunch of great plays. Like, it, it his eight shutout innings didn't look lucky at all, right? His no-hitter through seven and two-thirds didn't look lucky. It was just... Vintage Hendricks, he was keeping everybody off balance, only had three or four strikeouts. You yeah. know, it was very much like the guy that we thought he could be. But you had a great point that, like, so soon after, you know, to yeah, after three what... after three starts, like, of missing almost a year, shoulder injury, almost had surgery, almost was out for, like, a half a year longer at the very least, and to come back and do all of that, to work with a rookie catcher that he only worked with once That was before. another thing I thought about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he worked really well, but also, like, Sutcliffe brought up the point in the broadcast the next day that – calling your own pitches with a pitch com, you have a veteran catcher working with a rookie pitcher. Now this is backwards. It's a veteran pitcher working with a rookie catcher and calling his own pitches. And I I would love to talk to Amaya. I haven't had a chance yet, but I would love to talk to him and figure out how much he might have learned. I'll jump in on that with you. Okay. But how much (laughs) did he learn from Hendricks Uh calling that game himself and being like, not only is that how Hendricks likes to work, but that's how veteran big league, you know, guys with lots of success are able to get guys out and keep a good lineup at bay for that long. So... I think because it kind of takes that part out of it when we're saying how Hendricks was calling his own pitches, right? That like Amaya's not thinking through all of that or as much um, because Hendricks was taking control. I think about the emotion part. I mean, that's a big deal in that situation. You just, you can be, the mind can start racing. And I'm sure for Amaya right now, the game is still pretty fast for him. So the way he just handled it and watching that game, you wouldn't know that I think that was like, was it his, like, 12th game or something up here? And he hasn't yeah. caught all of them when he's played. And so however many behind the plate. And, yeah, I, I think that was when you when you thought about the situation, like, oh, yeah, Maya was behind the plate. This wasn't Gomes or Barnhart. Right. Like, so just everyone kind of staying in control and uh, so close. It's happened now a couple of times this year. I can't believe it with Smiley being That's so true. close. Yeah, and until I Gomes so tackled close. him, yeah. Yeah. But at least when you saw this hit, you're like, all right, off the wall. Like, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, no, that's. I thought that actually when Hanniger connected, I thought it might be a homer right away. Hendrick thought so, yeah. Yeah. You you saw a little bit of reaction from him. And on the Talkman catch, you saw his reaction. He thought that was out. Yeah. Or at least a hit, something. Yeah, I mean, definitely just going to have major dividends, I think, for this rotation if Hendricks is able to to not not have a no hitter every time out or, or flirt with one, but to be this guy that totally. he can be. And um, also on the Cubs roster, I mean, if Cody Bellinger comes back, you know, today, Wednesday, he's had his second rehab game playing first base, which is the most interesting aspect of it. I mean, I think we knew Bellinger was coming back. He's been out almost exactly a month now with a knee injury, but he's a gold glove caliber center fielder. But the Cubs have had, we just mentioned Talkman playing good defense in center, getting on base over 40% of the time. He's now David Ross's favorite leadoff hitter. So Bellinger playing first base, I think, is super interesting in that it allows the Cubs to have both Talkman and Bellinger in the lineup, maybe sacrifices a little bit of outfield defense, probably improves their infield defense, but also might have you know an effect on, on Matt Mervis's playing time or even Trey Mancini's if Bellinger comes back and plays a bunch at first. So I just think it's super interesting the way the Cubs are positioning this. It makes a ton of sense to me, but it's also going to be really fascinating to just see how it plays out the next couple weeks. Yeah, I think... When we first heard that it was Bellinger's on a rehab assignment, he's playing first. We were like, oh. And then you start thinking, okay, so what does that mean for this lineup and this roster? 
to your point, you're starting to think about, like I first thought about Trey Mancini because with Mervis, you still feel like he's getting used to things at the big league level. Um, you know there's a big bat in there, and he has shown that at times and ma made hard contact. Um, but you also know that it's about this level, like building the confidence. So he's kind of working through that. And then if Bellinger comes back and is going to first base, you know, just how do all how does all of that work together? It'll be now so with Hap, and we saw him leave the game. Uh, so this is now the day after when yeah. we're recording this that we saw that happen. Where is he at? Maybe he's fine and he won't miss any time, and that would be amazing. But you know, does it change anything if he is missing time? Because now you have another open mm -hmm. outfield spot that you're going to have to fill. So, but where is Bellinger at? You know, with his health, because the re there's a couple of reasons that Ross is describing that he's at first base. One lineup situation they would like more production from that uh, or haven't gotten the production they would like from first base and two bellinger is still working through yeah. the leg injury because he hasn't been able to extend and sprint and so you can take that kind of away or off the table when he's at first base more so than if he's running around in center field can he get back quicker then if you are putting him at first base is that kind of you know the goal right now um so we'll see what what their situation is and really what Bellinger's situation is too because as he's playing in Iowa you're just hoping that every day he's feeling good first and foremost so that he can go back out on the field and give this team an option in the lineup because he, I definitely feel like you saw more of a spark when he was in there I, I don't know why it feels like that because you know I felt like that when Horner was in the leadoff spot but now you're seeing what Talkman can do and, and Horner in that second spot um, so maybe it's just a matter of the pieces coming back together when Bellinger is healthy and you're getting full strength Cubs. Yeah and I think you hit the, head, the nail on the head with a really important point. Like, is does this get Bellinger back to line up faster? And I think unquestionably, yes. Like, obviously, as you said, a lot less range that is needed at first base versus patrolling the outfield, especially at the ability that the Cubs would want him to be at in center field. I mean, he would have to be 100% or close to I mean, to we it. saw him when he was 100%. Yeah. Because this wasn't something where he, like, came up and pulled a muscle. He came down funny on an amazing catch. Mm. So we know what he's like at full strength. And I think we've seen him like over the years, but it's kind of like Swanson. Like yeah. you've heard Swanson's amazing. You know he's amazing. But to see it is just different. And that's how I felt about Bellinger on defense. Great. To see it, the, the range he has, the ground he covers, uh, and the way he goes after balls and his timing on catches, all of that. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, and the Cubs definitely miss that defense, yeah. right? And even if he was coming back 100% healthy, Talkman has played well out there, but he's not Cody Bellinger. So like – if the Cubs, if all things were equal, the Cubs would certainly put Bellinger in center. That's where his defensive versatility would help. But they need his bat more than anything. And you also talked about it. The Cubs aren't getting the production. They're 29th in baseball among first base OPS. You know, and they're right there with the Astros. Like they could be 30th by the time you're listening to this. You know what I mean? So like that's because Trey Mancini hasn't lived up to his potential so far. You know, Eric Hosmer's already gone, but Matt Mervis is you know hitting 170 with a 295 slugging yeah. as as we're recording this. So like things haven't worked out. They haven't got the production they need. And so yes, to get Bellinger's bat back in the lineup when the Cubs desperately need it, like. Since yeah. May 1st, they're, them and the Pirates are the bottom two teams in terms of like a lot of offensive categories, and that's like six-week span. So they, they, right now the Cubs need offense, I think, a little bit more than they need that defense in center. Um, so it'll be super interesting. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Bellinger may be back this weekend. Maybe he's back next weekend in Pittsburgh, and then we see him. But either way, they need his bat now more than they need defense when they have a good defender still in Talkman. He's not a great defender like Bellinger, but he's a good, solid defender. And – 
if he's getting on base 40% of the time, like you said, lengthening the rest of the lineup by hitting leadoff, there's a lot of these kind of ancillary effects that help out there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's uh, just kind of at times when the Cubs haven't been playing well or getting the wins, you think about how, I mean, I, I've thought about like, you know, Bellinger's still not out there. And, and again, not that he's like this, you know, it's not ever one player yeah. in a lineup. But it was just it's just a difference when this team is at full strength and what it can be. Because you even see now the shifting of the lineup um, as you're trying to get the offense going. You know, even just now what that looks like and how it's lengthened. You know, if you can have a Bellinger in there, how that even lengthens a lineup and what it could do. So, yeah. yeah. Cubs were 17-20 and 20 before Bellinger got hurt and 10-15 and 15 since he's been hurt. So there you go. Yeah. And, again, that's before Wednesday's game, the mm-hmm. outcome Wednesday's game. But, yeah, I mean, he it, it's not just one player, but that one player makes a big it can, difference. Yeah, and it can just, uh, like, about the, the vibe, um, just the overall feel of a team, right? Like, it's and it's not uh, always the – it's not always about a production from a player, but can just be, like, the feel sometimes they create from it. And, and Bellinger was producing, but I think it's uh, – when you're on a team, it's interesting how just knowing someone's out there, how it helps a team. We got another real-time stat as well. Before oh, wow. Bellinger got hurt, the Cubs averaged 4.8 runs per game. Okay. Since, they've averaged 3.5. And, and that includes the 11 runs they put up Tuesday night. These so, are good stats. Who's yeah. getting these stats together? Uh, Where are you getting Milenovich. these from? Thanks, Kyle. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's sitting just uh, our left over here. But, yes, Kyle, thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like obviously I big difference. I look at that stuff, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it – It'll be big to see when Bellinger comes back. It'll be really interesting to see if Mervis maybe is the guy they send down, whatever it may be. But the Cubs are and David Ross is trying to do everything he can. That's why he's tinkering with the lineup. That's why he's moving guys all around. So, um, yeah, fascinating to see how the next couple of weeks play out. And credit to Talkman, the way Absolutely. he's taken a hold of center field. I've talked to him about this a couple of times because it can be also just, like, really hard mentally. Not even just, like, you know, you come up and – um, for him, like, you can also have this, like, there's nothing to lose mentality, but he, he wants to stay. Like, he wants to prove that he belongs here and wants to stay here. In his here. hometown, too. Yeah. yeah, and so, like, that can be a lot. And the way he's handled it, he's just been really calm about it and every day just continues to be consistent. Yeah. And good defense, too, not just the offense. Yeah, and, you know, he's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, but, like, He's drawing a lot of walks. He's working really right good now, at bats. Right now, where he's sitting in the lineup, that's all you be, need him to do. No, just for get sure. On base. I mean, he's a really valuable role player, I think, on this team. And even if Bellinger does get back to 100%, I mean, Talkman could be a guy that can rotate through the three outfield spots. Maybe DHs sure. a bit here and there. Gives other guys, you know, gives half like a half day off. He can DH whatever it may be. So definitely a valuable guy that the Cubs have found yeah. uh, here. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking. Some road to Wrigley and some right. some prospects here. So, <laughs> get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you three hundred dollars. You heard right. Get a three hundred dollar bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. Three hundred dollars. What? I'll, I'll take a three hundred dollars. Get your exclusive card at wintrust.com slash cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing. All right, we're back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. And uh, in the break, we discovered that the Cardinals <laughs> did, in fact, lose. So we were talking earlier. So, uh, yeah, so you're right. It's a really...
really bad loss. Yes. <laughs> Some momentum. To so this them. this may be the low point in the Cardinals' 2023 <laughs> season to date. I know a lot of Cubs fans, which I'm sure everybody listening is a Cubs fan, will probably take a lot of solace in that for right. sure. Um, so, but let's talk about some of the future Cubs that we're going to see. So, Elise, you're going to be hosting uh, Road to Wrigley, yeah. 6.30, coming up on Friday, 6.30 p.m. There's another one next week as well, yes, next Wednesday. Um, but really, to you, who's been kind of standing out, some of the Cubs prospects that has been standing out on the farm the last week or so? Well, today, as we're recording this earlier, Ben Brown had a great start in Iowa. Six innings, 11 strikeouts, no walks. He's got a 2.75 ERA. He was promoted to Iowa April 29th. He was acquired in the David Robertson trade with the Phillies. So I would definitely keep an eye on him. He's been very consistent and just a name that you're probably going to be hearing about more. Um, and the no walks thing with him is so big after anytime you see no walks. Yeah. That's, and he's had multiple the last few times out. I think he had six in one outing. Like that's huge for him for sure. Yes. Um, he can get the strikeouts. And I think like you said, if he can limit the walks, then that's for any pitcher. You don't want to give up the free passes, but for someone who's young and coming up, if you can see that for sure. I mean, when you said the line, I actually went, you said 11 strikeouts and he said no walks. I go, wow, to have 11 yeah. strikeouts and no walks. So yeah, for sure. A good outing for him. I think everyone is always wants to hear about or know about like uh, PCA Alcantara. Um, I feel like you're always hearing about PCA maybe a little bit more than Alcantara, but I would say from what we see on road to Wrigley, both are really fun and impressive to watch PCA because the excitement he brings in the field and with his bat, he's just like an electric player, but so too it's Alcantara. You look at his size, just how he plays the game and you know I think he's they're both equally players to that we hear about in the system just players that we're always going to watch and keep an eye on uh, on road to Wrigley PCA starting to hit better at the plate I think just with that jump to double a and just maybe getting used to things whatever it may be but uh, the bats coming along he's starting to hit a lot better in the month of June Alcantara, he's been really strong. He'll have, like, multi-hit games. So June 6th, he had four hits. Two days later, he had a three-hit game. So he was four for six, three for five. That four for six game, he had seven total bases, three RBIs. So I even had a stolen base in there, too. Yeah. Um, so he can – electric, too, is probably a word I would use for him. Um, offensively, Hayden McGeary. Uh, he's a catcher, but has been DHing and playing first. I think we mentioned him on the last road to Wrigley as well. We were kind of highlighting the catching situation and what that could look like in the future, and so his name was part of that mix. But just offensively, he's probably not the name that's going to come, you know, top of mind, or he's not that player that's the top of the list in all the prospect rankings. But with the way he's hitting, 318, a 942 OPS, 39 ribbies, and I have to give credit to Rachel Folden because while we've talked about him in the past, you know, I was talking to her yesterday and uh, on Tuesday, and she, I said, you know, we have Rod Wrigley coming up. Who's a player that you would, you know, that we should kind of be talking about? And she mentioned him. So we've kind of like eyed him on Roach Wrigley, but to hear that from her, um, so with her being the Cubs minor league hitting coordinator, she goes around and, and sees all the affiliates. She's with the Cubs team right now. It's just part of, you know, going around the system. So that's why I was able to catch up with her. So credit to her and to, you know, what she's able to see and kind of give us a heads up on in the system. Yeah, and McGeary, I, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Mervis at this time last year. Sure. Like Mervis was a guy that people knew about. Hayden McGeary, people knew about, but was not on top prospects list. You know, wasn't a guy that was 
making a ton of noise. And it was around this time last year that Matt Mervis really started making noise, you know, took off the rest of the season, did well in the Arizona Fall League. So I'm not saying that McGeary is going to follow the same path, but he's already in double A. He's trending in a really good direction. Absolutely. You like the fact that he's also getting looks at first base because we're even talking about first base now. Yeah. And it seems that ever since Anthony Rizzo hasn't been here, that's kind of the whole. We talk about that maybe with the leadoff spot. You know, you want to find that consistent leadoff hitter. You kind of feel that way a little bit too with first base and just finding someone who can kind of take over that position and get the production that you want from that position. For sure. I think pitching, you're always thinking about too. So I checked in with Alex Cohen in Iowa and so some of the names. I know we just heard about Anthony Kay coming up, but Ryan Jensen, Daniel Palencia, and Bailey Horn. Now these are all probably names that you've heard of at some point in the Cubs system. Um, but they're also producing down there and those are the three that Alex gave me to keep an eye on. Horn in particular, he's a lefty arm. Alex was telling me about he's got a 97-mile-per-hour fastball, a great curve. He was promoted April 29th. He came over in the ride into Paratrade with the White Sox. Uh, Palencia and all these guys have spent time in AA and have come up at a different time to AAA, so they're kind of rising the ranks. And then uh, Palencia hit, this is what Alex told me, 101.3 last week on the radar gun. So he's got some velo, some speed. Yeah. You always like to hear that. Jensen has uh, his two scoreless outings. He had, he's had three appearances and two scoreless in Iowa since being promoted. And he's already on the 40-man, too. So, like, if the Cubs did want some bullpen help, I mean, Jensen is a guy who potentially could be that. You know, because for Anthony Kay, they had to put Nick Birdie on the 60-day IL right. to clear room on the 40-man for Kay. So, I mean, Jensen, I, I'm not saying he's going to be up, but, like, if he continues to trend in that direction and the Cubs still need bullpen help in Chicago, maybe he is a guy that they yeah. to get a look at. And I think it's it's nice to hear about the guys that you've heard some buzz about and if they continue to produce that then these are the names that you hear about and then you can maybe see, right, that you can finally um, – because it, it's always – you never know how guys will develop. But if you keep hearing these names and, you know, they keep doing what they need to do, then it's fun to know that there is a chance you could be seeing them at Wrigley Field. Yeah, and that's what Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins, that's what they want is they want that completely homegrown bullpen. So like a year or two from now, 2025, maybe there's a bullpen where it's like Brandon Hughes, Ethan Roberts, Cody Hoyer, uh, Ryan Jensen, Daniel Palencia, Bailey Horn, like rattling some of these guys off, Jeremiah Estrada. Like maybe that's how they build the bullpen. So far it hasn't shown that in Chicago but like there's guys coming there's a wave coming for well, sure and like they may need continuing to get looks at guys and health yeah, is a big health. part of what mm -hmm. you just described because Hughes when he's at his best we know what he can do uh Ethan Roberts we've seen flashes of it and so you hope that he gets back to full strength and what he can add um and then Hoyer you know you've heard about him we haven't seen it yet on the Cubs but you have to think there's so much there I'm excited to see him when he's ready mm -hmm you know, to come back. And so that's kind of really what it sounds like is just they're waiting for with Hoyer when he feels like he can 100% contribute at the level that he wants to that we'll see him. So uh, I'm excited for that addition, yeah, when he's ready because it's just uh, anything. I mean, you always need arms, right? And so that's yeah. what the Cubs are looking for. And you mentioned PCA before, you know, Pico Armstrong is in double A. He's looked fantastic, especially in the month of June here. But I wonder too, like when he might even get the call up to AAA or when the Cubs might be aggressive with him. And we were talking just before the podcast, like, is there any circumstance he gets to Chicago? I think we both agree, like, probably not. Yeah, this I year. don't like, think so. Not this year. It doesn't seem like it would make a lot of sense. To me, I was thinking the only way would be like if the Cubs were in the race and they felt like they really needed that defense in center, maybe he's like a pinch runner defense replacement type of guy. But 
that seems rather unlikely at this yeah. point, just on multiple different facets. But AAA, I do, I feel personally that like yeah. that's likely at some point. Yeah, this I summer. think you could do that for sure. I don't think the big league team because I always feel with players with the really high ceilings, um, it's like a similar approach that you don't want to rush them because when you bring them up, you want them to stay up. You want them to get the everyday at bats to be playing every day. I thought it was huge for PCA. Um, to get that experience at spring training, to be around the big league t- club, to help them in that development. But I think now moving forward, and you'll continue to see them like, you know, in those situations. But I think when it comes to, you know, the regular season, just getting those everyday reps and continuing to grow. Cause I think even you're seeing in that transition to double a just, you know, there's always a little bit of, you know, time and that you need just to adjust. And then he will, and it's like on to the next, but I definitely think you could see him in Iowa. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do with him. Um, But we'll put a wrap in the prospect stuff, and we're actually going to head to an interview you had from Tuesday. Oh, this was great, yeah. DJ Cashera, she was the guest DJ uh, during Cubs Pride Night at Wrigley Field on Tuesday. So let's hear a little bit from her about what it's like being a DJ at Wrigley Field. DJ Cashera, you've curated a playlist for tonight's game. Already, I can hear it, Lady Gaga, rain on me, it's raining, perfectly done. But I, I, it's it's the Cubs, it's their pride celebration night. You're a part of that, what does that mean to you? It means everything to me. I, I love Chicago sports, um, who, who doesn't love the Cubs? And the fact that I got the opportunity to curate a playlist and I get to be at the game and hear it as I'm walking around to get to my seat, it's a very surreal feeling, it's amazing. Well, I'll go back to something you said, you grew up here. So what does it mean to you just to have this opportunity as a Chicago kid? Being from Chicago is one of the greatest flexes to ever have in the world. And the fact that I get to represent the city that I love with everything in my being and then have that love given back to me by the city that I love so much is is indescribable. I can't describe what that feels like. So then you you say that and then it's also Pride Night. So what does it mean to really have both of those things come together for you? I celebrate I celebrate Pride every day, um, and I think we should also try to do that. So then to have sports teams take a stand and say they also want to celebrate Pride and honor queer people, any members of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's a beautiful feeling to know that we're backed by different organizations and companies like Chicago Cubs. So to have a Pride night, it's very impactful, especially during Pride Month right now. To have a platform then on a night like tonight, what's important for you to convey in the music that you've selected? I want the music to convey that all walks of life can enjoy this, can dance to this. You can sing in the rain, you can cry in the rain. I tried to curate a playlist that will invoke every single emotion possible throughout the night, but to make it a memorable night as well for you and anybody that has come out to the game tonight. So give us a little preview, a little taste. I had mentioned one song that was perfectly selected for the weather. What else, you know, like how do you pick the songs basically? What else are we gonna hear? Wow, the way that I curated the songs, I thought about what major moments can I tap into during and throughout the game, but also what songs typically create emotion out of the crowd and will get them on their feet. So you can expect more Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, of course some Beyonce with Renaissance coming to Chicago soon enough. Um, A mixture of everything, some 80s music and 90s, uh, Britney Spears is in there, Whitney Houston, it's going to be just a mixture of everything all together in one. 
You were kind of describing it, but when you, because you will DJ at a lot of different events and places, when it is a sporting event and a Cubs game in particular, how do, does that music selection differ from other times that you've DJed? Absolutely. So right now, the playlist is a bit more mellow because, um, you know, nothing really is happening right now. We're waiting for the rain to stop on us, which <laughs> I have been saying different mantras that the rain will stop 100%. Um, you know, I'm trying to do my best. Uh, I put some songs in there to like get the crowd amped up. If we hit a moment where the energy seems kind of low in the stadium, and then also songs that can help take the energy to the next level when the energy is already tangible where you can cut it with a knife, I want to get that energy up to the next level as high as possible. Favorite song then? Do you have one tonight? Oh, I think, actually, I think my favorite song is playing right now. I think this might be it. Uh, this is a How Will I Know remix uh, by Whitney Houston. I think this might be one of my top picks for the night. So maybe this is just like a good note, literally, pun intended, whatever you want to say to end on. DJ Cash Era, we really appreciate the insight, the work that you've done. I know when I come to sporting events, Cubs games, I love the music. So already enjoying this. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to the Cubs and thank you to Chicago. All right, Elise, that was great stuff. It was a cool interview with DJ Cash She was great. Really great energy. I'm really glad I got to meet her and get to know her. Um, just like you could see how much it meant to her to be a part of Pride Night and to get to share what she loves to do on that night. I don't know if it was because I talked to her before the game or if it's because it was happening. I was noticing during the game, like I players and just people, I could I could see the bobbing of the heads, you know, like the slat, like just going along with it. I even noticed myself, more. I mean, I love music at the ballpark anyways, yeah. but with her stuff, I would catch myself, like I said, because I talked, I'm like, oh, good choice, here I am, like, you know, rocking out to this. So, yeah, it was fun, it was great to see. No, she did a good job for sure, and I mean, obviously a very cool thing to be a guest DJ at Wrigley Field. Yeah. So, uh, another cool thing coming up this week, the ALS auction. So, we're celebrating, you know, ALS awareness on Thursday. You may be listening to this podcast shortly after that, but... Uh, at least on Thursday for ALS Awareness Day, you are going to be in the splash. I sure tank. am. So I wanted to throw that at you. Are you looking forward to that? Are you I am nervous looking about forward that? to it. No, I was more nervous when I was looking at the forecast. Like it better not be That's what true. it's been. I'm I think it's going to be soaked. in mid seventies. Yeah, think I think it's right. going to be a nice day, which is good. Uh, no, but regardless, even if it was thirty degrees, it's for a good cause. It'll be fun, and I'm all in on it. Are you going to take any throws once you're out? I didn't even think about that. I didn't see that as my role, so I was just ready to take yeah. the heat. So. John Vincent's one of the other ones, the anthem <laughs> yes. singer. Like I, I took a couple throws last year with Dempster. So are so. you saying you're going to... I was planning <laughs> on it. Yes, yes. If you're it's gonna, at 5 o'clock. Absolutely, I'll be there, yes. So I was wondering. planning. I did splash Dempster last year. Oh, you so did get I did. Him. Yeah, first throw. Oh, no, wow. Yeah, humble brag. My second throw I missed, but the first throw I hit. Uh, Some pressures so, on this yeah, year. We'll see. I know. Now, that, now well, knowing that, if you miss, I will make fun of you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a really cool cause, and like, and we have an auction f running through the, you know, yeah, the site. a lot of cool things you can bid on. A ton of awesome stuff. It's uh, Cubs.com/auctions. Uh, Marquee Sports Network. We've partnered with the Cubs. There's a lot of cool things from like to help benefit Project Main Street with Boog Shambi is, is a huge part of. But game used items, unique marquee experiences like studio booth visit, 2024 spring training trip. Uh, the chance to call play-by-play -play yeah. on Marquee for a half inning. A lot of really cool stuff. So that's going to be live until Sunday, June 18th, this coming Sunday at 8 p.m. Again, that's cubs.com slash auctions. So a lot of cool stuff. And if you're listening to this before Thursday, come on out to Gallagher Way for a chance to uh, 
hit Elise in the yeah. splash tank, I oh, guess. I thought you were just going to end it there, to hit Elise. Hit, hit Elise, yeah. end podcast. <laughs> we're, we're done. No, to, to get her in the splash tank. Uh, but definitely, yeah, a really cool cause. So uh, we're very honored to be a part of it here at Marquee Sports yeah. Network and everything we can do to help out our friend Boog specifically. Definitely. So, uh, but that'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast. Elise, thank you so much for Thanks stopping Thanks for having by. me. It was fun. Uh, we, are, as always, are sponsored by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Elise, I'm Tony. Thanks for tuning in.